Welcome to Christian Life Assembly Online. We are so glad that you were able to join us. We hope you enjoy the message this week from Pastor Jim Poirier. For more information, please visit our website at www.clawinnipeg.org. Or if you have a prayer request, please email us at prayer at clawinnipeg.org. I'm quite convinced that many people, when they walk into a church, there's a couple of things that they may be thinking. One of the things is, uh, I want to grow in God. I want to experience God. I want to, I want to worship God. Another area that people may be considering is in their own relationships. I want to have relationships with other people that have this same interest in growing in God. We all know that you can get great preaching on the internet. You can sit at home and eat your cereal and drink your coffee and take in all the church you want. But there's something to be said about the relationships that are formed when we come together in a context such as this. Rodney Dangerfield said, once I told my old man nobody likes me. And he said, don't say that, everybody hasn't met you yet. So in other words, there are still many more people to not like you. And I want to talk to you today about how to win friends and influence people. That is the title of my message. And we're going to be looking at John the Baptist. He was preparing the way for Jesus to come. He was preaching the gospel, a message of repentance, And we're going to pick it up this morning at John chapter 3, verse 7, reading through till verse 20. And John said to the crowds coming out to be baptized by him, You brood of vipers, who warned you to flee from the coming wrath? Produce fruit in keeping with repentance, and do not begin to say to yourselves, We have Abraham as our father, for I tell you, that out of these stones God can raise up children for Abraham. The axe is already at the root of the trees, and every tree that does not produce good fruit will be cut down and thrown into the fire. What should we do then? The crowd asked. And John answered, The man with two tunics should share with him who has none, and the one who has food should do the same. Tax collectors also came to be baptized. Teacher, they asked, What should we do? Don't collect any more than you are required to, he told them. Then some soldiers asked him, and what should we do? And he replied, don't extort money and don't accuse people falsely. Be content with your pay. And the people were waiting expectantly and were all wondering in their hearts if John might possibly be the Christ. And John answered them all, I baptize you with water, but one more powerful than I will come and and the thongs of whose sandals I'm not worthy to untie. He will baptize you with the Holy Spirit and with fire, and his winnowing fork in his hand to clear his threshing floor and to gather the wheat into his barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And and with many other words, John exhorted the people and preached the good news to them. But when John rebuked Herod, the Tetrarch, because of Herodias, his brother's wife, and all the other evil things he had done, Herod added this to them all. 
and he locked John up in prison. How to win friends and influence people. Well, that is a, uh, a book written, as many of you know, by Dale Carnegie many, many years ago. And I want to share with you a few points from our passage of Scripture. And the first one is this, be nice or be honest. Now, in Dale Carnegie's book, he, he gave about six points. I'm going to go over them quickly. He said, if you want to make people like you, become genuinely interested in other people. Smile. Remember a person's name. Be a good listener. Talk in terms of the other person's interests and make the other person feel important and do it sincerely. Sincerity is one of the greatest qualities that we can have. And if you can fake sincerity, you haven't made A friend of mine said that to me a number of years. It made me chuckle. So here we have John the Baptist. And he's preaching a message of repentance. And at the beginning of a service, any church service, myself or any other pastor is going to stand up and say, hey, everybody, welcome. It's good to have you. Thanks for being here today. So nice to see you. And then we have this contrast of John the Baptist. And it says that, Crowds were coming out to be baptized by him. And he says, you brood of vipers. You sons of snakes. You low down, dirt crawling reptiles. That's what he calls them. That was his welcome. That was his opening words to them. And I don't know that he got the memo about how to be nice to people and how to win friends and influence people. But he wasn't particularly interested in that. John the Baptist came preaching this message of repentance. Now, repentance is something that is still relevant and key in our lives and in our walk with God, even today. It's part of our conversion to Christ where we would look back at our past lives, our past sin, and and repent of it. In other words, turn away from it and say, God, I'm sorry. Please forgive me. Another aspect of coming to Christ is not just in repentance, but it is in profession. Professing and confessing that Jesus Christ is, is Lord of your life. And really in saying that, we're... We're saying, I, I'm no longer the master of my own destiny. I'm no longer the one that's, that's in charge of my life. I'm no longer the one that is in absolute control of my life. I'm surrendering my life to Jesus Christ. He's the Lord. He's the master. He's the one that I serve. He's the one that I live for. And so as the, there's this repentance, but there's also this profession. And, and this is what John the Baptist was, was calling the people to do. There's a danger that all of us face. And that is that we may get into this habit of image management. And that is not what God has has called us to do. And when I think of image management, it is 
It is when we as Christians get into this habit of, of trying to look good, of trying to say the right things, of trying to appear to be good, but we know that deep within we may be covering things up. We may be covering up uh, deep-seated feelings of, of, of anger, of resentment, of unforgiveness, of, of hurt. And we all go through things. We all get wounded. We all get bruised. We all get knocked around. And, and God wants to take those things in our lives and, and heal us and, and make us whole. He doesn't want us to bear scars and, and just cover over the hurts and manage an image and, and just try to keep it together on the outside. He wants to do a deep work within us, a lasting work, a real work, a genuine work, and not just manage our image. And I think in many ways, this was the very thing that, that John the Baptist was calling out when these religious people were approaching him. He looks at them, he says, you brood of vipers, because he knew that things weren't right in their hearts and that they had themselves become great at managing an image while not dealing with what was in their hearts. We think of, uh, of Matthew chapter 23, verse 27 to 28, and, and this is something that Jesus went on to say. He said, Woe to you, teachers of the law and Pharisees, you hypocrites. You are like whitewashed tombs which look beautiful on the outside, but on the inside are full of dead men's bones and everything unclean. In the same way, on the outside, you appear to people as righteous, but on the inside, you're full of hypocrisy and wickedness. And that is something that, hey, the world calls out the church for all the time. Hypocrisy. And sometimes they may see in us what may be image management instead of being pure within our own hearts. God wants, he wants all of us. He wants to change our hearts. He wants to change our desires. He wants our motives to be pure. He wants us to be clean on the inside. He wants us to take our sin and, and, and turn from that, repent of it. And, and walk with him, and not just try to look good on the outside. And, and he wants us to do it now. See, John the Baptist, he just stresses the urgency. He says, the axe is at the root. It's already at the root. It's about to sever the root from the tree. It's urgent. And this is a tough message for us today. It's a tough message to hear today. We, we are living in a world where judgment of other people is almost an epidemic. People will quickly go to social media to shame, to call out, to destroy a reputation. They will... Uh, condemn, and the whole idea is to bring people down, to punish them. We are living in a day and an age, the Bible talks about this, and in the last days, people will be offended. And we are living in a day and an age where people are walking in offense. They are offended, their feelings are hurt, 
They feel unsafe about other people. They don't want to hear anything that makes them feel uncomfortable. And in, in extreme cases, they don't want to hear anything that they disagree with. You have to agree with me. And the reality is that in our world, there are a lot of imperfect people who are sitting in seats of judgment over other people. We need to realize that hearts and motives and thoughts, the inner man is seen by God. And we need to walk in the realization that we will all be judged, not by the standards of one another, but by God's standards. And we all need to walk in a way that we look within and see that our hearts are pure and that we're holy and that our motives are right. And and we're not just here managing what people see, but that we're right with God. Now, hearing this message, as John the Baptist was preaching, really caught people's attention. And I guess it would. When the first words out of a preacher's mouth are, you brood of vipers, it would catch your attention. Now, some of the attention that it caught was good and some of it was bad. And so we have this reality of we can either be nice or we can be honest. And sometimes nice and honest don't exist together. Second point I want to make this morning is that the truth informs. The truth informs. As we go through this passage of Scripture, we find the people saying, different groups of people saying, what should we do? The tax collectors, what should we do? The soldiers, what should we do? And when we hear a message like what we're hearing today, I think it behooves us to ask that question ourselves. What what should we do? Well, I think one of the first things we can do is, is learn to receive truth. We're living in a, a time when people are not really wanting to accept truth or hear truth. We want to hear what our itching ears want to hear. And that is a sign also of the last days that people will gather around themselves teachers who will tell them what their itching ears want to hear. We want to hear the truth, though. So we need to learn to receive truth. The benefit of the truth is that it opens our eyes. And oftentimes in our relationship with God, the Holy Spirit will convict us. We may read the word of God and that may, that may open our eyes to truth. We may hear preaching that we hear truth. And sometimes there might be a prophetic word that comes, a supernatural word from God, that's truth. And sometimes truth comes through a friend. A friend who loves us, a friend who cares about us, a friend who's not afraid to be honest with you. And the challenge when truth comes our way is, is to take stock of what we're hearing and seeing and reading or sensing the Holy Spirit saying to us and to look within. And a great response that we should have when we are confronted with the truth is what the people in this passage of Scripture said. What should I do? What should I do with this truth? When is the last time you asked yourself the question, that question, what am I supposed to do? What am I doing that I shouldn't be doing, and what am I not doing that I should be doing? 
Is there anything I'm missing? Am I reflecting? Am I examining? Am I pondering? Am I meditating on the things of God? What should I do? Learn to receive the truth. Another aspect of the truth informing us is that we need to also be people that learn to tell the truth. You see, telling the truth always elicits a response. And so here we have John the Baptist preaching to this group of people, and he's telling them the truth, and it elicited a response. You see, truth-telling gets people moving. It gets them unstuck. It gets them opening their eyes. It gets them to to start to reflect and, and to realize. And oftentimes, when we're told something that's true, we go, I never thought of that. How did I miss that? And we can be doing somebody a great favor by simply telling them the truth. Because the truth cuts through. It penetrates. It, 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 it goes through the, the confusion and the clutter of self-delusion that oftentimes we may find ourselves inadvertently living with. Learn to tell the truth. Learn to tell the truth and be honest in assessment of situations and There's a fine line between self-righteous judging and truth-telling. Self-righteous judging really is meant to bring a person down. It's it's meant to to tear them down. It's meant to destroy them. But but truth-telling is meant to draw us to God. Truth-telling is meant to, to elevate people, to lift them up, to motivate them, to encourage, to inspire, to challenge. So truth-telling is not something to be avoided but it is something we do because we love and we care about people. So the truth informs. And I think although John the Baptist may not have come across as as the most uh, favorable individual in terms of, of how he spoke to the people, there was this deep compassion, this deep concern that they would be right with God. He told the truth. Third point I want to make this morning is that the, the truth transforms And I'm looking now at verse 11 to 18. John the Baptist walked the talk. And that's a challenge for all of us, is is walking the talk. He was neither polite nor was he gentle. As we look at verse 8, he even says, look, your religious background, your religious heritage, don't lean on that. He uses these words, and do not begin to say to yourselves, we have Father Abraham as our father. Don't say, well, hey, my my parents were were Christians. My grandmother was a Christian. I'm a Christian because I live in Canada. He says, "Don't, don't, don't go there. He's calling out the people that maybe were religious in the world and and, and religious in the crowd, and people that might have been leaning on the wrong things. And they ask the question, what do we do? And he quickly moves to what is required of us. One of the things that, one of the places he goes is, is in how we treat other people. How we care about them. This is in verse 11. If you got two tunics and somebody else doesn't have one, Share. If you got food and somebody else doesn't have food, then give them food. 
in uh, James chapter 1, verse 27, there's another exhortation there, and it, it says, religion that God our Father accepts as pure and faultless is this, to look after orphans and, and widows in their distress and to keep oneself from being polluted by the world. So there's this very practical aspect of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That we would be open-hearted and open-handed toward other people. That we would not just talk the talk, but we'd walk the walk. We would not just talk about being righteous and, and being right with God, but our righteousness would compel us to act with love, compassion, and concern. The tax collectors and the soldiers were also convicted by John's message. What do we do? What do we do? And his message was simple and clear. Really, it was, you know, walk in integrity. Be honest. Don't collect more than you're supposed to collect. Don't falsely accuse people. Don't shake people down. Don't rip them off. Don't extort money. Be honest in your business, in your life, and in your conduct. In other words, you're going to make less money because you're going to walk in integrity. You're going to look at your T4 at the end of the year and realize that you didn't, you didn't earn as much because you didn't take what wasn't yours. And I think when we look at the priorities that God has for us, oftentimes we, we see people and the most important thing is their pursuit of things. When we look at this passage of scripture, it causes us to pause and stop and say, no, no, walking in integrity and honesty is more important. Making a ton of money is not the most important thing. And if we claim to love God, then we're going to love people. We're going to love our neighbors. And it's going to translate into action. It's going to mean I do things different. I live life different. Then we look at verse 16 and and John goes on to remind us that I'm just a messenger. I'm, I'm not the be-all and the end-all. I'm just preparing the way. And what he was doing was preparing the way for Jesus. And John says, I've come to baptize you with water, but there is one who is coming that's going to baptize you in, in the Holy Spirit and with fire. And I want to pause and, and, and stop for a moment and talk about this baptism in the Holy Spirit. If you haven't been made aware of what that is, and, and if it's for you, then I want to talk to you for a few moments about that. When we come to know Jesus Christ as our Savior, we receive the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit comes and resides in us. But there is this separate and subsequent experience that took place on the day of Pentecost in Acts chapter 2 where the church gathered together and they were seeking God. They were actually told, don't leave the city until you've received the Holy Spirit. And so these believers, these people that had the Holy Spirit, gathered together in the upper room and they began to seek God. The Holy Spirit was poured out on them. And as you read through Acts chapter 2, you'll see that they spoke in other tongues and, and uh, 
They were filled with the Holy Spirit. People around thought they were drunk. They thought they were crazy. They, they ridiculed them. They would have laughed at them. But there was a significant change that took place in the church that day. And there's a significant change that takes place in the life of a believer when we're baptized in the Holy Spirit. One of the great changes is we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. As we are filled with the Holy Spirit, as we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, we are empowered by the Holy Spirit. And you will see that that those who maybe were cowards before went out and preached the word of God with boldness because they were empowered by the Holy Spirit. When we are baptized in the Holy Spirit, it is like the gateway to even greater things in our experience with God. There are the gifts of the Spirit. There's ministries that we may be called to. There's, there's the experience of, of being able to, to tune into and listen to the voice of God in our lives and, and being led by the Spirit. There is this whole new realm of walking with God that we all need to experience. In my own personal life, when I was a young teenager, I remember hearing about this message of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I was about Douglas's age. I, I would go to church, and every Sunday night, I would go to the altar, and I'd say, Lord, fill me with your Holy Spirit. I, I knew I needed more. I knew I needed to go deeper in God. And so every Sunday night, I remember coming to the altar and, and lifting my hands and praying, Lord, fill me with the Holy Spirit. This went on for about two years, and it, it became kind of discouraging. But the night that I was baptized in the Holy Spirit by Jesus was a life-changing night. It was a life-changing night. I went from being a believer that, that oftentimes wasn't confident I went from being a believer that sometimes I wasn't confident that I was saved. Sometimes I doubted if, if God loved me. But when I was baptized in the Holy Spirit, there was this assurance, there was this knowing, this presence of God that I'd never experienced in my life before. And I want to make it clear today as, as, as John is touching on this and he says, he says, there's one coming and he's going to baptize you with the Holy Spirit, that that's still for today. He still wants to do that today. He still wants to do that for us. And may I encourage you, if you have not received this, this, this experience of being baptized in the Holy Spirit, of being filled with the Spirit, of, of, of speaking in other tongues, may I encourage you today to begin to make it your mission. To begin calling out to God. To begin praying and saying, Lord, fill me. I want more of you. I want all that you have for me. I don't want to just get saved and be saved. I want to be filled with your spirit. Ask him. Ask him boldly. Ask him confidently. We all need to be filled with the spirit. And I think in this day and age that we're living, when it is tremendously difficult and challenging to be a believer in this day and age, Boy, there is something to be said about walking in the Spirit and being filled with the Spirit and having the power of God in a way that we never thought possible. And then he talks about the baptism of fire. Oh, the baptism of fire comes and, and burns up and refines. It's a cleansing, purifying fire. And, and God wants to baptize us with fire and purify us and clean out what ought not to reside in our hearts. And fourth point I want to make this morning is that the truth comes at a price. The gospel is either transformative or it's offensive. It either, it either transforms a person's life or really makes them angry. 
there's really no middle road. It can't be ignored. And it's really determined by the listener how they want to perceive or how they want to receive the gospel or if they want to reject it. As we look at Luke chapter 13, I, I, love, you know, I love what Jesus has to say here. Somebody comes and, and uh, tells Jesus, you better get out of here because Herod wants to kill you. We're looking at Luke 13, verse 32. And, and Jesus replies, go tell that fox. I will drive out demons and heal people today and tomorrow and on the third day, I'll reach my goal. Go tell that fox. <laughs> he called it as he saw it. You know, what's a fox? They're tricky, they're sly, they're, they're conniving, they're not really to be trusted. It's not a compliment for Jesus to call Herod a fox. Herod put John in jail. John called out Herod for his own sinful behavior. Herod took his brother's wife, Herodias, and was messing around with her. And John had something to say about that. He pointed it out. And she obviously held a grudge and manipulated and connived and John the Baptist had his head delivered on a platter. You see, truth comes with a price. And John paid a price for telling the truth. John paid a price for pointing out sin, and he became unpopular with some. As I said before, we're living in a, a, an offended culture. And we've got to be really careful about telling the truth. You've got to be really careful about saying what's right and what's wrong because you might step on somebody's toes. And I want to be really clear today that in the days to come, the gospel is going to come under greater scrutiny. The gospel is going to come under attack. The word of God is going to come under attack. Preachers will come under attack because the gospel is not safe. And it's not meant to comfort and console it is meant to change and to challenge. It is meant to transform and to shape. It is meant to take people who are lost and have them found in Jesus Christ. It is meant to give us a message of hope and salvation for eternity. It is meant to weed out our sin and our disobedience. And there will be those who accept it and those who reject it. But it is not to be watered down. So the truth comes at a price, and sometimes we will pay a price. You may pay a price relationally. You may have broken relationships because of your stance in Jesus Christ. And as I close this morning, I want to say this, that the gospel of Jesus Christ should not be watered down. It cannot be suppressed so that we can be safe. The gospel... It's meant to, not to win friends and influence people, but it is to save souls. And John the Baptist didn't water down the truth, and many turned away from their sin because he told them the truth. And to them, he was perhaps their greatest friend and greatest influence 
because he pointed them to Jesus. And we can be the greatest friend that people can have because we point them to Jesus, even if it costs us something. Let's bow in a word of prayer. And as our eyes are closed and our heads are bowed this morning, I want to I just encourage you that if you haven't received Christ as your Savior, he's, he's calling you. He's calling you. He's saying, come to me. Give your life to me. Turn to me. I have so much more for you than, than what you've been living for. And I can, I can personally testify to you today that there's nothing like living for Jesus Christ. I want to encourage you that if you haven't been filled with the Spirit, if you haven't been baptized with the Holy Spirit, if you haven't taken all that God has for you through Jesus Christ, and begin to say, Lord, fill me. Baptize me with the Spirit. In this moment, in this day, in the days to come, Lord, I seek you. And Father, we come to you this morning. And I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would not be content with where we are. I pray, Heavenly Father, that we would not give ourselves over to managing an image, but that you would fill us. You would fill us with your spirit. You would refine us, O oh God. You would burn away the dross and the sin and, and the impurities of our hearts, O oh God. Lord, where there are things that we have been harboring, maybe unforgiveness, anger, bitterness. Lord, we give those things over to you. We don't want to just manage an image, but we want to be fully devoted to you. We want to walk with you. And if there are any here this morning who haven't yet received Jesus, we simply pray, Lord Jesus, I, I ask you to forgive my sin. Come into my heart. Be my Lord and my Savior. Thank you for saving me. We thank you. We thank you, Lord, that salvation is so simple. And Lord, as you go out from this place today, may we walk with you, live for you in everything we do. In Jesus' name, be glorified. Amen. Thanks for listening to Christian Life Assembly's Message of the Week. Be sure to check us out at clawinnipeg.org for more information.